Hey friends, we are your hosts, Leanne and Llewellyn, and welcome back to the One With Friends podcast. We are on episode two of season three, and last week was a huge, big production, but I'm happy to announce Llewellyn is back. What? what? Yeah. Um, super excited to kind of get back into our normal flow, especially for a new season. Um, and as always, we also have one of our very good friends to come on and guest appear uh, with us again. Please welcome back, drumroll please, Grace. Whoa, that's me. <laughs> um, Grace, give us an update on what's been going on in your life since you were last on the pod. Um, well, the project that we secretly hinted at the last time is finally out. It's been out for a few months now. Yes. Uh, it David Crowder's Crushing Snakes animated music video, just in case if you were wondering. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's been out for a few months now. So I've been kind of basking in the glory of my accomplishments in that for a while. <laughs> um, <laughs> and... Just doing some new internal fun projects at work right now at the moment. Really kind of in my sweet spot in terms of that. But other than that, just kind of living life, hanging out with friends and being on this podcast. That's awesome. I know we're the pinnacle of, of your current life projects right now. Yes, this is the highlight of probably 2021 so far. Yeah, it's a real peak for sure. <laughs> Awesome. Well, it's good to have you back as always. I know that, um, you know, all three of us don't live in a different state, which is, you know, the case for some others of our friends as well. But I feel like you are one of the more busy ones. Um, Not saying that all of our friends aren't busy with their lives, but um, we are definitely honored when we can schedule some time with you. Um, I feel like you're like gypsy wanderer. So it's a little bit harder to like pin you down. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's funny. Um, no, but good to have you back. So Llewellyn, hit us with the episode recap and we can talk all about this fun episode. Yeah, so this week we watched the one where no one's ready. Ross gets riled up when his friends fail to be ready on time for a museum fundraiser where he is giving a speech. Wow, this this episode is a doozy. It's uh, it's kind of the first episode. I f- is it the first episode where we've really had one storyline? I mean, I guess the one with the two parties was kind of similar, but you had a break in scenery, whereas this one was just like. Yeah, there was no plot B. It was just all plot A and you just had to sit there and suffer. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the easy way to put it. yeah um so one thing before we get into the the you know soft open and things like that but um kind of a quick fun fact so matt leblanc revealed in an interview that this episode's studio audience was comprised of contest winners of a tie-in advertisement campaign with diet coke flown in from all over the u.s Now, this is the episode where he dislocated his shoulder during the scene where Joey and Chandler physically jump towards the lounge chair that they have, you know, that they fight over during the duration of this episode. And due to the injury, production was shut down for a day. 
So subsequently, the winning audience members were sent home and then once again flown in as the studio audience for another episode. Wow. Wow. Um, he, he mentioned it separated his shoulder at impact, and that's why they wrote in the show of Joey hurting himself from jumping on the bed because Matt had to wear a sling. So that will kind of, you know, oh in future episodes. That's funny. Yeah. Um, okay, so we open up on the soft open, and Joey is trying to find, like, a, you know, drink in the fridge, and he mentions it up to Chandler, like what their options are. And he mentioned that there's something that looks like cider. Um, and of course, as he drinks it, he kind of puts it back in. And the joke is that, um, that he drank, he drank fat and Chandler let him do it because we find out he had just done it like moments earlier. I, I kind of wondered like, what would they have put in to make it look because that's the thing with fat what's interesting is that it's half frozen or half solid half not and fat like it gets solid once it's like cooled down to room temperature and isn't it even more so once it'd be in the freezer am i wrong there are some fats that solidify and some that just stay liquid i've noticed but when you do put it in colder temps i would assume they should solidify (laughs) Unless it like, so. just happened like 15 minutes ago, like you were frying up some sausages or something. I don't know. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting that like it seemed like the it seemed like a candle, like the bottom half was more of a solid, although it did all move when when he like tipped the bottle, didn't it? I, yeah, there was some swishing. Yeah, yeah, swishing for sure. I just wonder, <laughs> like, did they pour in some like apple juice plus like something you know something that's got a little bit more of a thicker substance at the bottom and it just kind of naturally separated i don't know it just it looked disgusting oh absolutely they did a really good job at mimicking fat because i Mm -hmm. i don't know do you guys have like really bad gag reflexes or anything like when you see him drink that and realize it's fat are you like what no it's not until later in the episode when ross mentions Mm -hmm. something about it i'm like oh that's disgusting yeah 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 okay um, yeah. Okay. So, you know, they, we find out, you know, obviously, like I said, Chandler had drank it earlier and Ross, you know, comes in, he's, he's looking, you know, he's ready for his big night and he would feel, you know, he's like, you guys aren't dressed yet. And they're like, no man, we've got like 30 minutes. And that is one of my biggest pet peeves with guys. They can sit around all day and then literally get ready within like 20 minutes and be set like not even 20 minutes my dad can get ready for something in five and i'm like yeah that's unfair i know it's like it makes me think of all the like like wedding day prep like the guys go off and do stuff on the wedding day because they don't need to do a bunch of things to get ready they're just like chilling Mm -hmm. i mean they could go like they could go to a rodeo. They could go skydiving in the morning and still get to the <laughs> wedding ceremony on time and look just as good as if they hadn't done all those things. Like, it bothers me that, like, we as women, like, have so much more to do for, like, big events. Which is yeah, probably yeah, that is definitely a- Yep. 
No, but go ahead. Yeah, I say it was just a peak frustration. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So he would feel obviously so much better. He's like, guys, I know you could get ready super fast, but I would just feel better if I think in a mental checklist and, and you guys, you know, you girls will have to like either agree or or disagree, but just the mental checklist of having two more people ready is kind of like a, it's, it feels like an accomplishment, especially since he's trying so hard to get everybody ready and out of the house on time. He's like, Mm -hmm. I would feel so much better if you were dressed now. And then, you know, we see Rachel and, you know, she's like, Oh, look at you, Ross. Like, you know, looking really good. And she's like, yeah, I just, um, you know, he's like, great hair's ready. Makeup's on just have to get dressed, which is going to take what a couple minutes. (laughs) And she's like, yeah, sure. Once I figure out what I'm wearing and he's like, okay. So that's sort of like Mm -hmm. the intro and sets up the entire scene of this episode. And this is what's considered like a bottle episode, an episode with limited cast and sets produced due to limited budget. So obviously the majority of the episode takes place in the girls' apartment, save for the really quick scene at the end with only the main cast appearing for most of it, Um, which obviously you have the, you know, some of the phone and the answering machines and all that stuff too. But, and this is the only episode of the series that takes place in real time. And we do kind of feel that way because as he's counting down, like we've got 12 minutes left, you're really seeing like the time frame on the episode ticking down and it is in real time. Like we've got, you know, we don't have 30 minutes left. We have 20 some minutes left and then we have 12 minutes left and now we only have seven. Like as, as the time is actually ticking down, so is the episode number, which I think is when you have multiple takes and multiple, like, you know, you mess up, like that's actually really, I think it would be a hard thing to accomplish with like editing and deciding which scenes to keep and which ones to take away. I thought they did a really great job at kind of continuing the narrative forward. I don't know in this. Episode. Yeah. I noticed that too. There is kind of a general rule for uh, screenplay script writing is that each page is about a minute. So if they kept to those standards then it would probably be easier to track in that aspect, but that was, especially after yeah. editing, it is very tricky to kind of keep track of that. No, but you're probably, yeah, that sounds, yeah, that sounds, that sounds about right. Um, So I think it actually takes a lot of skill to be able to do an in real time. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, because then they've got to hit it all and not eliminate anything. So then the writing has to be good so that they don't end up cutting a scene and messing with the timeline. I think that's, yeah, that's Mm -hmm. a difficult feat, I think. Um, okay, so then we go into the main bulk of the episode. Obviously, again, we're at the girl's place and Ross is kind of just communicating. He's really nervous. Um, you know, he's making a speech and he kind of wants to share it with Joey, but Joey thinks somehow he's going to be weaved into it. Um, and Phoebe shows up and Phoebe looks gorgeous. She is ready, which makes Ross really happy. And he (laughs) gives her like a hug or like a kiss on the cheek and Chandler comes out making a joke. He took the cosmeto- you know, cosmeto- co- wow, cosmopolitan quiz <laughs> that apparently he does put career before men. <laughs> <laughs> and while he was in the bathroom, we find out that Joey took Chandler's seat. Now, Ross intervenes because the guys are being super petty. Like, they're playing all of the games. I don't know if you guys did this, but, like, Joey crosses his fingers at one point, like 
Chandler puts his hand in his face. And I know that kind of comes later, but like the I'm not touching you game. Like, did you guys, did you guys ever play that with your siblings or like, was that something that you guys did to bug your siblings or them bug you when you both were growing up? Not really. Like, I just, I didn't really care what my brother did (laughs) in terms of like what, well, I don't know. I would just be so upset and I would just immediately tell my mom, like, I wouldn't bother like, like pissing him off or whatever. I'm just like, I'm just gonna go straight to the source and get the job done immediately. That's what I do. My brother would be more inclined to make me suffer at that age. Okay. As opposed to you doing it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Llewellyn, what about you? Because you had all brothers. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, they, when I was like firstborn, so I'm the youngest and the girl, and they kind of left me alone. Um, My youngest brother would be the one that kind of got like the brunt of everything because boys wrestle, fight, all of that. And my parents basically told them like, can't do that to her. So they kind of just like did it to my youngest brother for the longest time. But then when we started getting older, I shared a room with my brother for years and he was, he was basically Chandler in this episode where he would always like, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. I can't, like, you can't complain. I'm not doing this all the time. And I like relate. I related with that so hard (laughs) because he would just to push my buttons and I would tell my mom, but then my mom wouldn't do anything about it. Mm. And she's like, got to deal with it. Like, he's your brother. Like, you don't understand. And the the constant, like, um, copying, like, you'd say something and then he'd say it too. And then you'd say something else and he would say it. I'm like, what are we for? Like, I thought you were older than me. <laughs> and that's a funny thing, too, is that, like, my my brother growing up, he was very different from all the other boys that I knew he was yeah. such a sweet and gentle, tiny human. Like, he didn't want to bother anybody. There were mm. those very rare moments where he wanted to embody the little brother trope, you know. But everything else was just like, hi, Grace. I love you. Uh, you're the best sister ever. And I'm like, why? I don't deserve you. <laughs> like, what the Aww. heck? He's super sweet. I think he's always like, I, I mean, I know your brother. I don't know him very, you know, as well as maybe, you know, you, but obviously I've seen him. We've been in the same circles for a, a very long time. <laughs> so, right. um, but he's always seemed like a, a more like soft spoken. He very much reminds me really of your dad. Yeah. Like he, he has a little bit of, of my dad's kind of quiet nature, but then yeah. when he's like, in a public setting, he's ready to get his social face on. He really embodies my mother like in terms of satire. Yeah. He yeah. really can roll with the punches now. So he's a he's a character. Yeah, for sure. I think your whole family is a character. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> I love it so much. Uh, I could talk about your mom forever. I love her. <laughs> <laughs> um okay but we will get back to the episode so obviously the guys are being super petty i mean it's all of those like you said the the little brother trope type things and monica arrives she's just got in from shopping so she's obviously not ready and ross is already trying to hurry her up 
And she's like, I just got in the door. Like, let me put these groceries away. You know, she's kind of like, you know, messing around in the kitchen to try and put away her, um, what she, you know, brought from the grocery store. And uh, Rachel walks out and she's like, is this what a girlfriend of a paleontologist, you know, would wear? And she's like, oh, no, man, this these make my calves look fat. Um, so... I mean, there, it kind of goes like back and forth between the groups of friends. But then we find out that Monica wants to listen to the voice messages, right? And so mm-hmm. does Phoebe get on it or is it Monica? It's Monica. Monica? Okay. So she, gets, so she gets in it and realizes that either Richard has or has not called. And we don't know what the real answer is. She can't tell if it's old or if it's a new message. So she's kind of starts to freak out about that. You can tell that this is getting into like Ross's Ross is realizing that this is taking away from the focus of getting ready and getting out of the house on time. (laughs) So the guys again are in the middle of their pettiness and the guys ruin Phoebe's dress um, by throwing, you know, the hummus kind of gets sloshed onto her, her dress. And she, you know, Ross being Ross, you know, Phoebe was the only one that's ready. And so now we're, we're not too down. Like we're back to one, like Ross, one is the loneliest number when it comes to getting ready, because all of a sudden he's back down to one. And like, then Chandler, you know, Ross gets upset because he realizes kind of things are spiraling and he makes Chandler like, just go get dressed. By the time you come back, Joey will have to get up and get dressed. And therefore, like, you know, we'll be able to be ready. So Phoebe needs to cover things up. Rachel suggests that she change. And Ross, of course, isn't happy about that at all. Monica has come in and says that she has left Richard a voicemail. Have you guys ever, ever like done that with, I mean, I don't know, any exes or anything like that where you're, you know, trying to be super cool and you're like not being cool, kind of like ruins what would have been like a clean break. <laughs> oh man, I can't, ugh. I've really only had one real ex mm-hmm. and he was super tight in our friend group at the time. We only dated for like a couple months, but I fell head over heels for this guy. And so yeah. uh, when he broke the news that he wanted to break up with me, I tried to like be like really cool about it, but I was devastated. But then like, right, I had to right. see him like three times oh, in like no. the next week. And I'm like, okay, I gotta be like real chill about this. And so I acted like, nothing was wrong but everything was wrong (laughs) and it was clear that things were wrong uh so yeah that was super awkward until he actually uh because he broke up with me and then a week later he was leaving to go back to his home state um on the east coast for like a month and so i didn't have to see him after that but that week alone was just like "Ah, i'm dying inside (laughs) that is that is such a bummer when like you're so intertwined and then you have to break up. That's that really sucks. Oh my yep. gosh. What about you, Llewellyn? Um, I think so. I've only had like 
three major boyfriends in my life. That sounds so like so many, but judging by the fact that that was all within the first, you know, 22 years of my yeah. life. <laughs> that is a lot. <laughs> Nothing for a kid. Um, I, so I don't really count high school because I mean, we dated and then broke up, but we still had like classes together. So it didn't really count. Um, but there was a, a guy in college that we, we dated for like just over a year. And when we broke up, like, like all of our friend groups were the same and we had classes, like we were all music majors. So like, we literally saw each other start of day to end of day. Yeah. And so it just like, it was one of those where it's like, I don't want to reach out to you, but also like, I understand that we're going to run into each other. So can we just come to a mutual agreement if we still talk? So it was weird, but, um. We ended up getting over it, and then we ended up moving to our next college in the same town. So it was like, here we go, all again. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's the worst. But it is the worst. So you guys, like, followed each other from one school to the next. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> like you, you thought you were free, but no. It's all ball and chain. <laughs> oh, no. I don't think I've ever done something... Uh, no, that's a lie. I've probably done something super <laughs> stupid. I couldn't I couldn't tell like examples, but I feel like every major, you know, any actual like serious boyfriend that I've ever had, I was like I was always the one getting crushed. <laughs> but yeah. then like I remember specifically in high school, he was like a senior, I was like a sophomore. And um he broke up with me near the end of the year because he was about to go off to college and I was of course heartbroken and I didn't go to school the next day um because it was like super late at night when he was like dropping me off in my house and he like we had a talk and it wasn't it was he was actually very kind about it it wasn't like a um I think he was just realistically saying like you know, it wasn't like he was going to school in the area. It wasn't like he was hopping on down the street to that university. He was like going to be out of town and I was still a sophomore. So he was, he was just bringing up the conversation and it's, it's kind of like the whole, you know, Monica and Richard, like if we're at an impasse, then we've got to just, it's got to be done. Um, But because he was the one that brings, you know, brought it up and it was kind of like, I hadn't thought that far ahead. So it was news to me, you know, Mm I, I, and then he caught my sister the next day because he didn't see me in school. And he like asked her like, how is she doing? Like, you know, he felt really bad. And then when I came back the next day, he knew where I would be like, you know, tracking from one class to another. And so he like met me in, in the hall, like on my way from one class to another to like check in on me. He was actually very, I'm like looking back on it. He was actually very kind about it, Um, but it was just sort of that, like, I'm really hurt, (laughs) you know? Um, But yeah, so we ended up connecting on later in life, which is really funny. Obviously it didn't go anywhere and it wasn't, it wasn't going to go anywhere, but um, he kind of reached out at one point once I was like out in college and stuff, but it wasn't going to go anywhere. So right. it was very, a very short lived reconnection. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So um, Monica thinks that she was super breezy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? And though? the, f- I know 
the first part of the message did seem very much so. I mean, she seemed cool. Hey, I don't know if it was new or old. Just, you know, seeing if you wanted to talk. But then she quickly spirals because she's like, or not, you know, whatever. Um, I'm breezy. And Joey's like, you can't just say that you're breezy, that you're obviously not breezy. And then we hear the voicemail um, of her, the other woman on the voicemail. And Monica's a little devastated. Again, in Ross's face, you can see that his plan is spiraling um, because now this is even more of a distraction. And Joey is like, now, see, she was breezy. Like, that was super cool. <laughs> now, Chandler rushes back in during this as well. And he's ready. I mean, he 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 plows on in and he's ready. He's good to go. And I have to say, Chandler looks really good in a suit. Yes. Honestly, I was thinking about you, Llewellyn. Most men do. That's true. I'm like, oh, can you wear that every day? Thank you. For my eyes, thank you. I know. What is the equivalent of, like, a man in a suit? Like, it's not not that hard for them to do. What's the equivalent of that for women? For a man? (sighs) Is it like lingerie? <laughs> <laughs> eh, well, uh, yeah, you let know. I would have to agree. <laughs> okay, cool. So <laughs> what lingerie is on a woman to a man, so is a suit on a man to a woman. Yep. Sounds good. Perfect. Awesome. Patent it, package it, sell it. <laughs> um, but Chandler's, you know, Chandler's ready and he's wanting to get back in his chair. And the, you know, Joey is he secedes his his place but he takes the cushions with him and the way that they say it is that you know if you take the cushions that is the essence of the chair and joey's like then i'm taking the essence he's he's taken the essence of the chair now at this point rachel comes back out and ross had gone in there to like try and tell her what to wear and he ended up picking a Halloween costume that looks like Little Bo Peep. Now, Llewellyn, did it not make you think back to her bridesmaid's dress for Barry and Mindy's wedding? 100%, which was only like technically like two episodes ago. Right. Which is, so it's a little, not surprising, but I'm surprised that they would make that reference because they just made a joke about it at the end of the last season. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I guess, you know, having three or four months in between in real time, maybe it wasn't as easy to like call back to, but I think that when you watch it in quick succession, like we are, that it's, it, it makes more of a statement because you're like, wait, we just joked about that with her dress as a bridesmaid. Yeah. So I, I just thought about that as she was, you know, talking about it, but we find out that with that outfit comes an inflatable sheep that apparently Chandler has, which has all sort of innuendos and, you know, um, I don't like implications <laughs> for Chandler. Putting him in a tight spot. Um, 
Yeah, 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 yeah. And even in the audience, could you hear them? They're like, oh, <laughs> as opposed to just like laughing, you know, or or like, ooh, it was kind of like, like a, ooh, ooh <laughs> as if like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so Phoebe comes out in a dress and she's like, oh my gosh, isn't this beautiful? And Rachel's like, oh my gosh, yes, I love it. But not for tonight. Oh, no, not for tonight. Um, I feel like that is the the view that like guys have of girls when they're getting ready is that they're just like, you're not even looking for a dress for tonight. Then why are you even looking at the dress? <laughs> right. Now Chandler, now that he, you know, now that the girls kind of go back in because Ross is getting, you know, more and more frustrated, Chandler tries to justify the inflatable sheep to Ross and it just makes him seem more like guilty. <laughs> But then Joey pops back in and Chandler took the underwear. <laughs> okay. We, Ross reveals like, hey, why can't you just wear the underwear you're wearing right now? And Joey reveals, because I'm not wearing any underwear. All right. Commando. Let's talk. All about right. It. Let's talk about it. Have you, have you girls ever gone commando as a daily way of life? Um, or in certain circumstances or what, like, what is your guys's personal views on going commando? I'm t- way too self-conscious about that to go in public commando, but in the privacy of my own apartment all the time. But it's like, yeah. I'm like, it's like, okay. The, it, Cause me knowing that I'm not wearing any underwear out in public, it's like, can people tell? <laughs> and I'm just thinking about it too much. So I'm just like, you know what? I'm just, just wear underwear. It's comfortable. It's whatever. I like it. Llewellyn? Um, I want, <laughs> I can't. Really? I, I'm like, um, I think maybe when I was younger, I like attempted to try mm. it, but just, no, I just can't. <laughs> just thinking about that I think what in my mind what would happen is I would leave my house and then my mind would just always be thinking all the things that could go wrong and that could expose the fact that I'm going commando not that like I think anyone's gonna care but I don't know I just can't I I my brain just doesn't it's it's just a high stress situation when you feel like you could be compromised in any way in the outside world it's just just cut the middleman and Wear some cotton. Yeah. Um, okay. For me, I I'm a little half and half. I agree with with Grace in the sense that like at home, if you're wearing sweatpants, I don't I don't really if I'm not having already worn underwear from the day, I don't necessarily put on underwear for the day. If I'm like if I'm gonna walk around in sweatpants all day, it's not gonna matter right. to anybody. Um there was a season, I don't know if it was in college or in high school, where for some reason it was just more comfortable to me not to wear underwear. So I went commando as like the normal for everything. So dangerous. At any at any time. Oh yeah, I like living on the edge. I'm a rebel for sure. Um, no. But it was for some reason it was just more comfortable for me that way. And I don't know why, because now it's the complete opposite. Like when I'm getting ready for the day, I put on underwear before I put on my pair of jeans. But for some reason, back in the day, that wasn't the case. I would go 
weeks without wearing underwear because I just didn't need it or didn't want it. That's crazy. Yeah. But now that's obviously not the case. So, but okay. I just thought it was funny that Joey in his normal, and I wonder if it's a little less or if it's a little more um, risky for guys, I just feel like, you know, you've got stuff, you know, hanging around (laughs) on there and you're, you've got, well, it's like a bra, you know, right. Like they got stuff to hold in place. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. That's true. Joey then, because, you know, Chandler has stolen all of his underwear, threatens Chandler saying that he's going to do the exact opposite to him. And Chandler's like, what are you going to do? Show me my clothes? Which, mm-hmm. in hindsight, that's exactly what Joey did. Yep. <laughs> sure is. But Chandler thinks, like, he's got nothing. Like, he, there's no way he's going to up what I just did. <laughs> so while Joey is gone, we find out Phoebe comes back out and she's got a big, huge Christmas bow on oh, her, really. like, chest in order to hide this hummus spot okay one quick thing to know did anybody else notice that the spot got smaller oh, did oh i didn't know yeah so when she when she first comes out of the bathroom like after trying to get it off it was massive like up above her chest and then when she's sitting on the couch and monica's doing the like message thing or whatever it pans to phoebe and it's like a third of the size but then right before you put the bow on, it's back to like the massive. So it's probably like when they recorded the separate days, like you had mentioned. Oh yeah. It was just fine. That that spot got a lot smaller in the two seconds she's, <laughs> since she's walked to the bathroom. Yeah, with him with production having to stop, they probably had some continuity errors when it came to wardrobe. That's interesting. Yeah. I did not catch that. Good catch, Llewellyn. Um Yeah, so we find out in this, like, you know, Ross is kind of freaking out. Rachel's still not ready. And his watch isn't working. Um, he's like, yeah, we've got exactly 12 minutes. And you realize that, like, he's already said that they have 12 minutes. So, you know, his little dinosaur, the dinosaur tail has not, you know, circled back around. And um, Chandler gives him kind of a look like, you know, you have to say it's a dinosaur tail. Like, oh, my goodness. You know, Ross. <laughs> And he, we now have seven minutes left and Ross has taken a lot up until this point, but now he, he no longer is keeping any semblance of cool. Rachel comes out. She's trying to decide she's dressed. She just needs to decide the shoe and her and Phoebe are kind of going back and forth like, yeah, black, but a little strappy one. And Ross absolutely loses it on Rachel. This is the first time I think we've seen Ross like this. Is that right? I can't recall any other time that he it, snapped it, like that. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it had a different, I mean, this is, this is like, we've never seen Ross this way with so like with the legitimate anger as opposed to like he might have done something like in humor anger or like out of like funny frustration but this is like an actual legitimate he is he is angry he come like pretty much commands Rachel like get back in there put on anything that fits your feet i don't care if it makes your earlobes look fat 
you're going to wear it and we're going to walk out this door. So get in there and go get dressed. And Rachel just sort of like turns right on around. And, you know, Monica, in the meantime, Monica is calling and she calls and she has her, you know, she has, she calls Michelle essentially to make sure that it's her voice. She's like, I want to make sure that it's Michelle. It's got to be her. I want to match the voices. I'm just going to call her. Well, Michelle has color ID and calls her right back. Um, And Phoebe makes a joke, you know, to, she says it when Monica, um, when she says it to Monica, when, when Michelle calls, she must have color ID. You should get that. Now this is a, um, this is kind of a nod to Courtney Cox's movie scream, um, which came out in 1996 and it was filmed the same year. Now the premise of the movie is a killer calling his victims on the phone before he murders them. And sales of color ID shot up threefold following the release wow. of the movie. So they were all kind of done together. And so this kind of nod to like, oh, she must have that color ID. You should get that is kind of a nod to, you know, the up in sales from from uh, Courtney Cox's other movie that she was, you know, working on at the same time. But so she talks to Michelle and at the, at the beginning, it's going really well. You know, she's kind of consoling her. Like, I know it just, sometimes it doesn't work out. And they kind of drift off in the conversation in the back with Ross kind of following her around. And then, okay. Chandler gets into this dialogue about Donald duck where I had a question on this for you, Grace, because you are, you're an artist and you Mm -hmm. are creative. And he goes into this dialogue that, you know, he doesn't get it. Donald Duck, he never wears pants. But when he gets out of the shower, he wraps a towel around the bottom half. He's like, what's <laughs> that about? And it's such like a funny, brilliant way to deconstruct the thought process of artistry. <laughs> but I just was like curious for you, Grace, like what are your what was your like, did you have any thoughts on that as an artist yourself? I think you usually, you know, from what I've seen of your art from like your Instagram and things like that, I've always seen, you know, fully clothed. um, I would hope characters, but give me like a thought, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me a thought to like the breakdown of that. I just thought that was so funny that he realized that and called it out. Do you have anything like that that bothers you? Uh, Like in terms of like, have I seen any other cartoons where I'm just like, why is this a thing? Yeah. Um, well, I, I know when I was younger, I was like, why are all of these animal cartoon characters wearing gloves? I don't understand. And I later found out <laughs> when I went to college and I studied animation history. And it's because uh, it was easier to draw hands that way, um, especially in four fingers instead of five, because most cartoons have four fingers instead of five. Right. And it was just easier to animate that way. And also you didn't have to worry about the intricacies of how fingers bend and like, and all that jazz. So it was just easier Mm. to just throw a few circles where the hands should be. And then you're good to go. And I'm like, Oh, I get it. Uh, And it was at that point when I learned that piece (laughs) of information that, when you are pre-planning character designs for the purpose of animation, do everything you can to make drawing this character frame by frame 
24 frames a second as easy as possible. So it turned out to be very informative, but for a while I'm like, why is a mouse wearing gloves and overalls? What's happening? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, all of that. All of that's good. <laughs> I just think it's so funny that he like deconstructed it. You know, I never even noticed the gloves. Mm-hmm. You're so right. I never know. I'm like literally thinking back on other characters right now. Like, oh, yeah, they wore gloves. Yep. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. I, I think the biggest one that always got me is why does Winnie the Pooh wear a shirt but not pants? <laughs> Yeah. 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 It's like you're a you're a bear. You have legs. Then <laughs> don't wear a shirt. You're gonna wear a I shirt mean, listen, if you got it, it, flaunt it, you know. <laughs> I would uh, I would expect as like a character that's portrayed, you know, he's he's a, a guy character. Pooh is not like feminine at all. But if if of any of the two articles of clothing wouldn't you naturally default to pants? Yeah, you'd think. You'd think so. You would think so. But again, it's the same argument as Donald Duck with wearing a shirt. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, none of that. I think so. I'll, I'll give you my Anyways, animation I just it was funny. I There's no basis if this is yeah. true or not. But from my own experience with doing walk cycles and creating full character animations, Trying to track mm-hmm. the motion of the legs while also being mindful of how uh, fabric of whatever pants you're wearing moves is not the most fun thing to keep mm-hmm. track of frame by frame. So I think it, it just makes it easier for animators to be like, oh, I don't have to think about fabric folds. Mm. Like it's just a stick that bends and we're going to keep it at that. Yeah. Wow, that makes sense. Yeah, thanks for that insight. I didn't even think of, you know, tracking well, that frame. You know, frame. That's what I'm here for. It's, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's why we called you. Uh, it was mainly for the Donald Duck. It's like we like, gotta call the professional. <laughs> <laughs> Let's call our friend Grace and uh, get the answers for that. <laughs> so while while you know Chandler's having this little monologue with with himself, really. Um, Rachel, oh no, sorry, Monica and Ross kind of come back into the frame and you can tell that Michelle definitely has called her out on her calling Richard again and checking the voicemails and she might have to tell Richard because she doesn't feel comfortable keeping this from him, which I think is, I mean, really seems like really high school-ish to like, I just don't know if I feel comfortable keeping this from him. Like, Mm. honestly, just shut your mouth. (laughs) I don't know. I just think it was kind of yeah. a dumb argument so <laughs> ross getting frustrated takes the phone away from monica and she's like fine and she stops into the room and joey's like or chandler says she definitely has a phone in her room right and so they get up really quickly because ross kind of gives them a look and so they're in there messing with monica and this is the moment where rachel comes in wearing sweats and sweatpants and she says she isn't going. She decides that this is a time to catch up on correspondence. She's checking her address book. She's got her stationery ready to go. And Ross is, is determining in this moment if him and her are good. Like, okay, she isn't going. But are we, we're not fighting because you're not mad at me. Like, we're good. 
I just don't want to leave. If you're going to be abandoned by me, I-, I want to confirm that we are good. But you can tell she is not good. Yep. And yeah. she like she doesn't even turn to give him a kiss when he like goes in for it. She turns away and he's like, okay. So obviously not all is well with Rachel and Ross. And, you know, she, you hear kind of the girls screaming and Phoebe comes out and kind of like is fixing her hair. And she's like, she's just getting dressed. And Phoebe's got like the phone cord. And then like Chandler comes out and makes like a funny comment about the two girls wrestling in there. And this is probably the most, arguably the most iconic Joey moment outside of Joey doesn't share food. (laughs) Joey comes in wearing all of Chandler's clothes on top of each other. And as the audience is laughing, Chandler is like, how is this the opposite of me stealing your underwear? And they kind of like, you know, get into a little banter, but he reminds Chandler that too bad that I'm not wearing any underwear because it was all taken away from me. And Chandler reacts to that in a way that's like, Ooh, <laughs> and he starts doing, he's like, it's getting really hot in here under these clothes. You know, what would happen? Say if I did some lunges and he starts like lunging it is it lunging? Lo- lunging? I think it's no. maybe lunging. Lunging. Yeah, okay, he's doing lunges. <laughs> I'll just swap the sentence around. In his clothes, he's commando. And um, you know, the guys are arguing, and Ross has kind of another mini. He's like, I am so sick of this. Like, you guys, like both of you can't go anymore. Now he's just like, the only person that I cared about going is Rachel and she's not even going. So now you two aren't allowed to go either. And the guys seem somewhat like surprised by this fact that all of a sudden they are just not allowed, you know, to go to this event. They were just playing around, but you know, Ross is super frustrated. He's it's been like happening the whole episode and he really just wants to show Rachel, like what is the way that, that like I can prove to you that we like that I want you to go and that like we're good. And Joey suggests, which he's been trying to do all episode, that he drink the fat. And Ross thinks that like we're trying to have an adult conversation over here, but Rachel takes the bait and decides that that's not a bad, you know, way to determine if you know that he wants her to go and that everything's good. So he goes to do it and Rachel stops him in, you know, in mid process and can't believe that she would drink the fat for him. And so she goes to get ready and Monica calls Richard one more time and realizes that instead of leaving a message, she has changed the outgoing message machine. She mentions, she mentions that she's on her period or might be starting and, you know, Michelle will tell the rest and it's, And it's like, it's a huge, like, this is such a bummer moment for her. And Phoebe makes a joke that, like, Richard will be changing his number for, like, on his own. And, you know, they leave. Everyone's starting to go their way down to the car. And the only one we're waiting for is Rachel. And she comes out and she looks really good in, like, this seafoam or light mint colored dress. 
It was really yeah, cute. That was a great dress. Yeah, I agree. She looks really good. Her hair's done. It wouldn't have taken, I mean, like, literally, it was probably the easiest thing for her to change into. It all matches. It all looks good. And um, and she teases Ross as well as, like, a cap to the episode and to keep on brand, of course, that under the dress, she's not wearing any underwear. And he's like, hubba hubba, young hair. <laughs> <laughs> and they walk out and that is kind of the end of the main bulk. So in this, let's, let's like kind of recap just on the main bulk, because that's all conducive to one part of the storyline. How much did this episode bother you when it comes to there's, there's two different types of personalities. There's all of the friends and then there's Ross (laughs) and Ross is trying to get and keep to a certain schedule while everyone else is procrastinating until the very end and they barely probably make it, you know, on time. Where would you guys put yourself and what are your kind of comments, you know, um, recaps of, do you side more with Ross? Do you side more with the friends? What is your method of getting ready? Give us, give us the breakdown of that. I like to present myself in a professional manner and so I'm either in two categories I'm either Ross who is ready like an hour before anything happens or I'm Phoebe that just shows up ready to go and I'm like all right I don't have to worry about anything uh the if I was in that room with all of those people all those friends I would be so anxious like, I, it's not, it's not that hard. Just put clothes on and then we can just chill out for the next 15 minutes. It's no big deal. Ugh, that's like ugh, one of my biggest pet peeves. It's like, can you just, it just takes two minutes and then we can just chill and look fancy at the same time, please. Yep. Yeah. What about you, Llewellyn? Okay. So I am definitely Ross in this episode. Um, especially when it's like an important mm-hmm. event to you and like your friends have all said like, yeah, I'll support you. So it's kind of like a stab in the back when he walks in and everyone's like, no one is ready. And aside from Phoebe, when she finally walks in, but like no one is ready and nobody seems to care that they're not ready. So I think like in that sense, I would be very mm-hmm. frustrated and I would, I probably would have same way and at some point like gone off on probably the wrong person like he did because Rachel like I feel like out of all of them she does want to go and she does want to support him but she's just like doesn't quite understand why it has to be so rushed but I will say that it's kind of like I feel like up to this point you know Ross has this weird paleontologist job and it's a good job and it fits him but none of the friends really care about his job. And I feel like it's very evident in this. It's like, this is a really big deal for him, but like his friends almost, and they're, they're supportive, but it's almost like they're, they don't fully understand his job. So they're not like, it like, it just kind of like shows that they're, I don't they're know indifferent, it, but um, yeah. Yeah. Like they've, they like make fun of him for his job all the time. So this big accomplishment, like they don't really understand like why it's such a big deal, but it is to him. And so I think that kind of like plays to like, yeah, we're going slow because we don't fully understand why this is so important to you. I don't know. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and like some of the friends are so easily, like, I do think Rachel in all of her effort, she's the one that's got the most genuine effort. I think throughout the entirety of it, she really is just wanting to look nice and, and best represent him while the other friends are just so easily distracted that they're just, they're not willing to put their own things aside and they're sort of being more lackadaisical about it. Maybe not realizing the importance where Rachel is realizing the importance and that's what's, you know, maybe hindering the quickness and speed of getting ready. So I think you're right on all that. Um, okay. So anything else about the main part of the episode before we finish up with the tag that maybe you didn't get to say? Nope. Awesome. All right. So in the tag scene, um, we are at the gala. Everyone is done. The speeches have been made. The presentation has been done. They are kicking back, relaxing afterwards. And this I'm guessing who is a famous like paleontologist maybe or someone who who did they say he was? I've already I forgotten. Know. I forget too. I wonder That's if he was someone popular like actually in the 90s for being like a curator at a museum or a professor or something. I can't remember like what was it like a London Institute of something? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I wonder if that was like a real guy, you know, how, you know, they've obviously have a lot of cameos and they sometimes interweave real life yeah. people um, like Jill Goodacre, the model for Victoria's Secret. Like that was a real like she was playing herself in real time in New York. So I wonder if that guy was also something similar to that. I didn't really look into that at all. But um, he sits down and is talking to Ross, was really impressed by one of his previous papers And Chandler comes sauntering back over to the table and this guy is sitting in his chair, which, you know, poor Chandler. He has not been able to catch a break today in the realm of chairs. The guy even quips back at him that, you know, he left the chair. And and so it's kind of his fault that now he doesn't have a chair anymore. And Chandler is kind of over it and is like no just give me my chair back and of course they don't really expound on it but I'm sure Ross was very mortified being that this is someone who he probably looks up to or is flattered by the by being noticed by this guy but they don't really dive into it in the actual episode but you can kind of assume that you know that's not somebody who you just tell that like you're in my chair I need you to get up um, but yeah, so that wraps up the episode. So that brings us to then our episode rating system. And of course, Grace being our guest, how would you rate this episode? I would have to give it an oh my God, j- purely just, I was just so frustrated at the friends for not being ready. It was, I, my anxiety was heightened <laughs> at its peak. And I'm like, you have 12 minutes, just put your dress on and go. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right. What about you, Llewellyn? Um, I'm going to say we were on a break. Um, I mean, it was a good episode in that it was funny um, and it had its moments. And I love the, you know, Joey iconic, like, clothes. Like, as soon as he said that to him, like, oh, I'm going to do exactly the opposite. Like, it clicked in my mind. Like, oh, my gosh, this is the mm-hmm. clothes episode. Um. 
that was like, you know, a good moment, but otherwise like it's a very standalone episode. Like we don't really, it's like, we don't really need it. And um, I mean, we see the whole, like how Monica's dealing with Richard breakup. Like that's probably like kind of yeah. forward going, but otherwise it's kind of just like a, here's a, an episode. And like you said, they were tight on budgets. So maybe that's why it like, they didn't really do a whole lot of plot lines on it. Yeah. So. Yeah. I know it's really hard because it is like, I mean, honestly, the fact that Ross didn't murder anyone in this episode is like, I think deserves some recognition. Like the fact that the friends are still alive after this is, you know, applaudable. Um, and you do have that iconic, I mean, like, again, there are few like little scenes within the friends universe that you distinctly remember and are, the most captivating i mean ross with pivot like there's nothing that beats that except for maybe when you're talking about like how the guy eats his sandwich and that's Mm -hmm. like the biggest deal and and like this for joey is one of like the best little plot points and yet you almost like you wish it was in a more in a stronger episode that you know that bore more weight on the series as a whole because I think you're right Llewellyn it's kind of a you know and a lot of sitcoms are like this where it is kind of throwaway you don't have to watch them in order all the time in order to kind of get the gist of where everyone's at but but man and then Ross just it was a very heavy Ross episode which typically I don't like but just because it wasn't all like mopey (laughs) and whatever like there were some real emotions here and I thought it was good, but it wasn't as good. So I'm going to go right in the middle at Unagi, which is kind of fitting for Ross because that is one of his taglines too for, you know, for the series moving forward. And it's very in the middle. You want to, you want to love it because it's got some great moments in it, but then you also are, you know, unwowed by the plot as a whole. So I'm going to go right in the middle with Unagi. So that brings us to our post-show wrap-up. Do we have any recommend to a friend's today? I would recommend something that I just applied to my hair two days ago, and it's called Overtone. Have you guys heard of that? Ooh. Um, I no. heard about well, it in the story. I'll tell you day. what. It's so fun. <laughs> it's basically if you don't want to commit to dyeing your hair, you just slap this sucker on your head and leave it in for 15 minutes and wash it out. And it gives, well, I'm a brunette, so it won't like, like dye my hair in a specific color. It'll just give it like this nice undertone. Um, So I got this, this orange version and I actually applied it again today to give it just a little more pop. And it just, it makes my hair soft and it makes my hair look more, like colored instead of just oh it's boring brown now it has a cute little ginger undertone to it so if you want to add just a little bit of spice to your life color your hair with overtone i enjoyed it that's a great recommend to a friend grace that's awesome yes I did see it on your stories and i thought it was cool i never i get ads for it all Um, the time and it's probably because i posted something on Facebook about like recommend anyone to dye crazy hair colors and then the internet was like oh that Uh, yeah we're gonna slap this in your face every day (laughs) we've got something for you I love it 
That's a good one. All right. Grace highly recommends overtone to a friend. You don't have to commit, but you still get some right. of the benefits. So that's awesome. Uh, Llewellyn, what about, what about you? Anything for, for you this week? Yeah. So um, I started listening to this, oh, I don't know, a couple of months ago. It's a podcast. Um, I think I'd mentioned on the podcast last year sometime that I binge watched New Girl for the first time during uh, yeah. quarantine. We were first in yeah. lockdown. Um, so much so that I think I watched the whole series again twice <laughs> in like since wow. then. It's one of those where it's like they're quick episodes. You can like have it on in the background, like while you're working and whatnot. So that's kind of like how yeah. it happened. But then we were doing this podcast and I was like, oh my gosh, there has to be one for New Girl. Like I need to know if there's one. And during the quarantine, this group of like, I think there's three of them. Yeah, there's two two girls and a guy like got together and started a podcast. Basically, they actually use Anchor, which is how I found them. Um and they literally just one, I think the, the main girl has seen it a thousand times and loves it. Her sister has only seen it once. So she's like watching it again. And then her husband has never seen it. So they have like different perspectives mm. and they just get on and basically do what we're doing. They just talk about the episode and it's funny. It's um, they're a little bit older than us. So like they have a different like generations perspective okay. on it. Kind of has like a cool thing, but um, it's called Apartment 4D, which if you watch the show, it's the apartment they live in. Um, and it's hilarious, honestly hilarious. And they do like, they've had a few like guest appearances. They actually interviewed the girl, Deborah Messing, that does, um, yeah, or Messer, name, that did all the wardrobe Friends. for the friend, like, series. Mm-hmm. She actually did it for New Girl, too. So they actually interviewed her on their podcast, which is really cool. Um, and they're actually working to try to get Lamorne Morris on it right now, which would be incredible. That's super cool. But it's funny. It's like relatable. It's very similar to ours where they just talk about the episode. Um, it's called Apartment 4D and I highly recommend it if you like New Girl. Um, we, Luella, need to reach out to them and see if they'll do like a cross. Um, I've thought about it. That would that be really would be cool. Sweet. We need to do that. Um, especially if they're essentially doing what we're doing with a different show, they'll fit right in and it'll be perfect. So let's, uh, let's plan yeah. on reaching out to them. Cause I think that would be really cool, especially cause we just pitched them and, uh, I think we could maybe get on on that. So, um, that's awesome. Okay. I'm going to recommend, um, something completely different. So Dr. Teal's <laughs> ultra moisturizing bath bombs soothing lavender essential oils um there's like a little pack where they give you five wrapped um bath bombs and for such a small bath bomb i didn't think that it would actually feel that moisturizing in the water itself um but honestly like when i i like save them now for like little special occasions because when like when you're just feeling that like winter dry or that spring dry or even summer can get dry depending on where you live too um, getting these bath bombs are just like, they feel so good on your skin. So highly recommend the Dr. Teal's ultra moisturizing bath bombs nice. to a friend. Love Great. it. Awesome. All right. Well, um, that wraps it up. Thank you, Grace, for being on the show with us again. It was a pleasure as always. Um, 
yeah, thanks for your input. Thanks for your commentary on <laughs> animation. Uh, since we have no idea about it. Well, nice I'm to glad to be back on. on. It was so fun. Awesome. Um, well, obviously, we'll invite you again in the future um, as we you know, continue to plow away at these episodes. So um, speaking of next week, we will cover the one with the jam. Cool. So we will catch you guys next week on the one with friends podcast. <laughs>